Father, we thank you. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. To you be the glory and the gathering of the saints. Not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves as a man of some is. Thank you for this opportunity to celebrate your son. Today is a good day. We ask that you enlighten us. Flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your son Jesus. That we will know him and grow into him. That as we travel, Christ will be formed in us. As we all with an unveiled face, as we behold us in the mirror, the glory of God are changed into the same image. From glory to glory, even as by the same spirit. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. beautiful Lord we love you we love you thank you Holy Spirit love you Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word? We are going to be so blessed today. Alright, so quickly, I'm teaching on the latent power of fasting. Maybe you thought it was over, but we are just beginning. The latent power of fasting. The latent power of fasting. Are you really ready? Can you take it? Right. Now, before we teach this, I need you to understand something. That if your greatest passion and zeal and heart desire is not to be like Jesus, then I'm sorry you have a displaced priority and what you have placed above him will soon turn out to be your greatest distraction and distraction that is what leads you away from him and what crushes your life if what drives you if your decisions if your hunger, if your passions are not driven mainly for the purpose of becoming like Jesus in expression, your priorities are wrong. It doesn't matter what your priorities are. They are wrong. you got to listen to me. 
whatever you please above the Lord enslaves you. You don't have to be in chains to be enslaved. There are so many and too many believers who receive Jesus as Savior and don't accept him as Lord. And that is the problem we have in the church. To be your Savior means he has power to redeem and save you. To be your Lord means he becomes the boss of every area of your life. You got to listen to this. If Jesus is not Lord over all in your life, he's not Lord at all in your life. If Jesus is not Lord over all in your life, then he's not Lord at all in your life. Some people say, Jesus, be, the, be Lord over my Bible reading, but don't be Lord over my relationship. I want to take control of that one, so leave that one for me. And that's the problem we have in the church. We choose, we choose what we want to obey in our work with Jesus. And you see, that is a destruction. And that is why many Christians are not growing. Because a part of us submit to him, a part of us want to do what we want. We select areas that are appealing to us in God's word to obey. And the ones that don't sound appealing to us, we say, Jesus, We'll deal with that later. And you got to listen to this. Maybe I just said this before we continue with our teaching on fasting. We are teaching on fasting because many don't understand fasting. I once knew and thought that I understood fasting until I was wrongly proven. We've had so many beautiful testimonies here. And maybe today if we have time, I'm going to share with you so many testimonies, not even just here, but in some materials that I've read of the tremendous power of fasting. And sometimes when I see these things, I'm like, how come the church did not see this? My wife was looking for a male worker to sew women's clothing. She's been looking for that male worker for close to three years now. She never thought of praying about it. She kept asking people. You see, you have been asking people too many questions. Why don't you ask the Lord? So one day during our fasting, she was in the shop and then she decided to pray and say, God, as I put down my food aside and make you the most important thing in my life, I want to ask you that you give us a male worker. In less than an hour, a man came in with dirty clothes and saying that he has been in Togo, he has been sewing their women's clothes and that he wants to repair machines. Is it possible he can repair any machine for them? And my wife asked, can you sew? He said, yes, but because there's no job, he's just repairing machines. And today he has been employed. And he's a very good worker. 
It's amazing. Three years of waiting against one day of fasting and praying. When she shared that testimony with me, I was blown away. Three years against one day. Maybe I'll go ahead of myself. One great teacher of the teaching of fasting said that if you're able to do seven days on water, it is equivalent to an accomplishment for seven years. So it's like you steal seven years into time by seven days fasting. Won't you do this? So 14 days is 14 years brought into time. We had our first bath, which is going to come next week through fasting and prayer. One of our pastors had ulcer in the process of fasting because we all didn't understand the technicalities. And he became a prayer and a victim. And now he understood it and went on water fast for two weeks. He's completely healed of ulcer. And he's eating every kind of pepper. I was telling me. One of our memberships who studied law and uh, trusting God to be called to the bar and then receive a job after 30 days fast was called to the bar. Many of her friends were not called. 25th December, do you give jobs? She received a call when we went for missions, on the way coming from missions, that we are giving you a job. And she started last Wednesday. One lady came for fasting and prayer. She has not had a menses for over two months. When she heard the teaching of fasting, she was challenged. So she decided to take fruits for a whole week. So she started on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, her menses started flowing. She had not finished. It's because we have done it religiously. Everybody's afraid of fasting. But when we understand this, we will know that there is true power in it. There were two missionaries, a man and a wife, who fasted and prayed for 14 days only on water. And when you hear this thing only on water, don't be scared because I'm going to teach you the, the science of fasting. Fasting is a science. Don't over-spiritualize it. Fasting is a science. You can physically prove it. You, you, can, you can prove it physically. It's a science. So many just do it because they don't, they don't understand it. So anytime they hear announcement of fasting, then everybody's angry. Another starvation. So these two missionaries went on the 14 days on water, a man and a wife. And they announced it to a group of people that they were about to start missions. They didn't ask for funds. The next day when they met, these families that were in that meeting began to bring them gold and diamonds. And by the time they converted and placed it into its monetary value, 
it was exactly the amount of money they need for missions. And guess what? It takes the average missionary 18 months to raise that money for missions. They had it in one day. You see, many don't know this. And they passed, off, they passed over the fasting as an inheritance to their son, who was called Don. And this guy would just run to the caves. He went fast for three days, come out from the cave, and then continue with life. Don reached 2.5 million people before he died. 2.5 million people. He reached them with the gospel. You got to understand that the body was designed to serve you to serve God. Let me repeat that. The body was designed to serve you to serve God's purposes. The body was never designed to dominate your life. And if you are here listening to me and your body tells you what to do and you can't have control over it and shut up the body to do what you have decided to do in God's timing and purposes, you are not growing. A sure sign that you are not growing is because, uh, let me put it this way, a sure sign you are not growing is that you are being controlled by your flesh. The body was designed to be subjected, subjugated, to submit to the authority of the human spirit governed by the Holy Spirit. And if your spirit man, by the agency and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, is not in charge of your life, you are not in charge of your life at all. And anything can rule your life. There are many people who are in addictions today simply because they are dominated by their flesh. Their five senses have gained ascendancy over their spiritual life. They can pray in tongues, yet they are battling with serious sins. And they've tried several times and they can't still overcome it. It's simple. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you got to understand that you may be a Christian, yet you, you are in charge of your life. You may, you may be a Christian, and yet your flesh, finding expression through your body is your Lord. And this is very critical because many Christians are victims. You can be a, a, a true Christian, and yet your flesh is your Lord. Your appetite is your Lord. I've wondered, so if all of us here are placed in a cave because of some issue or situation that happened and we are supposed to stay in the cave for the next 30 days how will it turn out? Because you cannot stand not eating for 6 hours. The next thing I suspect you do is that you kill one person amongst you and eat his flesh. 
Yeah? Because we've not trained the inner man to govern the outer man. While this outer man perishes, the inner man is renewed day by day. Are you renewing that inner man? Please, don't serve yourself. Use the members of your body to serve the Lord. But guess what? It's not automatic. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24, the Bible tells us about spiritual discipline. And you may be a child of God, the Holy Spirit may dwell in you, but you may fail in dispensing God's life through your body. I'm telling you. He says, know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. He says, so run that ye may obtain. So he's telling you that you're not only a child of God, but you have a spiritual career as a spiritual athlete. And look at the next verse. He says, and every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. Give that to me in NLT so that uh, people can understand. Those who are not uh, King James friendly. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I, I want... This is where we get a chunk of you here. I what? Did you read that? I what? Let me ask you a question. Have you disciplined your body? Or have you learned to discipline your body? He said, I what? Like an? Do you know there are sometimes an athlete can feel like eating pork? And he may have the liberty to eat pork. It's not a sin. But the problem is that the pork will slow him down because of the content of the pork. He may want to drink coke and all kinds of sugar stuff. But guess what? He is restricted because of his career. Can Christians restrict themselves because of their spiritual career? I discipline my... And look at the next verse. Okay, I think that's it. So he says, I fear that after... Okay, he says, I disciplined my body like an athlete, training it to do what? So that means there are things your body should not. And without training, it will do what it wants. And the good news is that one of the things that tames the body, disciplines it to serve God's purpose, is fasting. Jesus taught us three Christian pillars of discipline. In Matthew chapter 6, he first starts by saying, when you give, when you give, in the verse 5, then he came and said, when you pray, in the verse 16, he says, when 
you fast. There are three pillars of Christian discipline that Jesus taught us. And these three pillars unlocks the weight of heaven's glory in your life. You can go and read the whole chapter. Number one is what? Giving. Number two is praying. Number three is fasting. The problem is that the church practices giving and praying, but the third one is out. But Jesus did not say, if you fast. He says what? When? That means it is expected of you. God knows you will fast. Are you always led to give? You give. Are you always led to pray? If many of you were led to pray, you pray every three years. That means you must not wait to be led to fast. Just like giving every Sunday is a part of your life and praying every single day is a part of your life, fasting must become a part of your life. And the good news is that fasting powers the two to become more effective. You can't remain stingy when you are fasted, man. And you cannot remain prayerless when you are fasted, man. Because fasting breaks away the flesh for the spirit to gain ascendancy. Hallelujah. And guess what? Because they are the three areas that guarantees your victory, the devil will ensure that you will not, never do any of them. You got to listen to this. The devil will ensure that you will not pray. Haven't you realized you decided to watch a movie at dawn? You woke up successfully. But when you decided to pray at dawn, you woke up, then your body said, ah, why are you up? 4 a.m., what are you doing, son of man? Put your hand in between your lap, my son. It becomes a voice. And share your sleep with the Lord. <laughs> Only when you decide to pray. Haven't you realized that if you are going for an interview and you want to wake up at four, you wake up successfully. You are going to the airport and the check-in time is 2 a.m. How you are able to wake up at 1 in your lifetime is a mystery. But you do wake up. So you see, the flesh wants anything that benefits you. That pleases you. That entertains you. But anything spiritual, the flesh fights it. That is how it can be finally difficult to pray because the devil through the agency of the flesh will do everything possible for you not to pray. And you've got to listen to this. If you have a problem praying, it's the devil at work in your life. And he's using your flesh. I've told you there are three enemies. And every believer needs to be aware of these three enemies. Number one is the flesh. Number two is the world. Number three is the devil. So the Bible tells us friendship with the world is enmity against God's purposes. The Bible says the devil who is your adversary? 
The Bible says, for to be carnally minded is enmity against God. So these three things are enemies. So if these three things become your friend, you love movie more than prayer, you love movie more than studying the Bible, you're in trouble. So these three things will fight God's purposes in your life. The devil will not make you pray. Haven't you realized you find it difficult giving? Is the devil. He will not make you give because of the power of the breakthrough in giving. I had to break the power of stinginess. Because some years ago, when I came to understand grace, I was convincing myself that you don't need to give for God to do anything in your life. And I was comfortable with it. Of course, there were things happening. But there are some dosages you will never experience until you become a giver. So your flesh, you see, anytime you have money, having to realize that before you get money, then you see a Facebook new shoe. So, so you can sacrifice your time and your monthly commitment for a new shoe. And there's no problem with that. When it becomes something that has to leave your hands to someone or leave your hands to serve God, then it becomes a challenge. Don't you know that it's not normal? It's not. There are forces and resistance that will always stand in the way of giving, praying, and fasting. And guess what? God will not force you to pray. He will not force you to give. And he will not force you to fast. And that is the challenging thing in the New Testament. Please listen. In the New Testament, you are expected to, not necessarily obligated to. So the challenge is that because you are expected to, God has empowered you by the Holy Spirit and expects you to do it willingly. In the Old Testament, he says, thou shalt not. In the New Testament, because God empowers you, he expects that you will do it. Have you seen the difference? So we are not tied to a law. We are tied to grace. And that is what makes it more dangerous. Because you can fix yourself in the area called the rest we have in Christ and fail in God's purpose. I'm helping somebody here. Fasting, giving, and praying destroys the power of the flesh. If a believer is able to do that, despite all the challenges he has, he will destroy the power of the flesh. Having to realize that anytime money leaves your hand, you have destroyed greed and selfishness. The more you are giving, the more you are killing selfishness. The more you pray, you are destroying the power of self-centeredness, trusting yourself. You can't do these three things and believe in pride. I mean, effectively. Unforgiveness, greed, pride, covetousness, self-centeredness 
are all brought under the subjection of the three disciplines I just mentioned. And God knows why he tells us this. It's for our own good. So, you see, I want to emphasize on fasting. And we've got to know that fasting, fastings and strengthens these two things I mentioned. Are you following? Fasting is the most important part of your prayer life. Fasting is the most important part of your prayer life. Anything prayer does, fasting facilitates. Fasting amplifies the intensity of prayer. Fasting amplifies the effect of your prayer. Fasting creates a spiritual climate in which the presence of God begins to flourish in your life. Fasting creates a spiritual climate in which the presence of God begins to flourish in your life. And hear this. Prayer is the most important part of your spiritual life. Fasting is the most important part of your prayer life. It will take some of you 10 years to understand this. Prayer is the most important part of your spiritual life. Fasting is the most important part of your prayer life. Let me say it again. It will sink, I believe. Prayer is the most important part of your spiritual life. And fasting is the most important part of your prayer life. So what powers your spiritual life is prayer. And what powers your prayer life is fasting. So if you want to add new cylinders to your prayer life, add fasting. As some of you right now, your spiritual life is now on overhauling. Because you have overworked yourself in entertainment. And it is broken down. Your spiritual life is completely broken down. And now you are functioning with overhauling. Anyway, prayer is the mightiest force on earth. But when added with fasting, becomes atomic power. Prayer is the mightiest force on earth. You see, many of you don't know what it means to pray. It is the mightiest force on earth. And when added with fasting, becomes atomic power. Atomic power. There are things that begin to leave you automatically when you begin to fast and pray. They'll leave. That dream you'll be having, you see antelope, you'll be seeing cotton, you'll be seeing uh, uh, a lion chasing you, and you always wake up and you are tired. You are uh, uh, demons are chasing me; they will chase you. If an ant is chasing you and you are running, there's something wrong with you. And some of you, that small room has become a spiritual zoo, and all kinds of animals appear to you and show themselves to you. 
When you find a believer, say, I had a dream. This one was chasing me. You, you just know the spiritual level. They just have to upgrade. They just have to add some new silliness. And they'll be fine. Won't waste our time casting out uh, antelopes. Praise the Lord. Physical activity mainly helps our body. Any physical activity you engage in only helps your body. For example, gymming only helps for you to have muscles. So the benefit is only in the body. Education only helps in the mind. It develops your mind and nothing else. Education does not develop your DNA. Only your mind and that's it. But fasting develops you spirit, soul and body. You got to put this down. Fasting gives you triple benefits. And the benefits are spirit, soul, and body. Oh, thank God. I found the secret. I found it. Fasting hits all three parts of your tripartite being. The early Christians fasted every Wednesdays and Fridays. Are you aware of this? You can go and study. The early Christians, they, they fasted every Wednesdays and Fridays. That's where John Wesley learned how to fast twice every week. And John Wesley said, you cannot be his pastor until you fast every Wednesday and Friday. So you cannot be called a pastor in Methodist. And many of you don't know how Methodist came. John Wesley practiced the Christian life as a method. So those who practiced his method were now called Methodists. <laughs> wow. I was shocked. So they were his spiritual methods. So he didn't just rise up and call it Methodists. They were applying his methods for spiritual life. And John Wesley was known for his fasting and praying. Praise God. Today the mouth of the church has been closed on the subject of fasting. And you know, most of the time you hear teaching on God is going to prosper you. God is going to change your destiny in the next two months. And you know the church loves it. They will so see it right now. Because our emotions are tied to material things. So we love it. I see the Lord raising up a David. Then he, he, he rises up and like, wow, this is touching. <laughs> we, the church loves to be entertained. We want to be fed with milk. Milk. A milk. <laughs> we love milk. And Satan has managed to silence so many Christian leaders today on this subject. How many times, when was the last time you heard a major Christian leader 
preaching on fasting as a series. The devil has silenced us. You know, all the churches have now become a brothel church. You come to church, everybody's dressed in a nice way. Everybody's putting on makeup with uh, uh, iPhones and, you know. <laughs> if some of these saints were in our time today, they would have been angry with this generation. Now, entertainment has taken over the church. Lift up your voice and pray. And the dress you are wearing doesn't permit you to lift your hands. So you will not lift up your hands. And we cut the flow of the spirit. Shall we kneel down to the Lord? You just remember we're wearing white. We are too full of ourselves. So, you know, there are some things pastors dare not teach. Because when they teach, people will be angry. But I would dare teach. Because I know therein is the power. It will change your life. So many don't want to preach it because... You know there are people who believe that the Christians don't have to suffer anything. The Christian's life must just move from one degree of prosperity to the other level of prosperity to the other level of prosperity. And every time it's just about cars and houses. It's just about uh, um, having a new car, having a new house, having physical material things. The church has become materialistic. Anyway. So the devil has silenced major leaders on preaching on fasting. So every year, we start, we are doing 21 days, so we want you all to know we are starting soon. That's all. So now, it has become a ritual. And the devil is happy that people are fasting ritualistically. And fasting was part of the founding practices and the power and the life of the New Testament. And if you want to understand how the early church began, look at how their practices were. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, the verse 42, the Bible says, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In other words, if you want to, if you want to have an established church, and listen to me, if you have been traveling in churches and you want to know the church that is best for you, look at doctrine. Doctrine is so important. He says they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And in Acts chapter 13, the verse 2, the Bible tells us that and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. So it is telling us the secret of the early church. Why Peter's shadow was doing what it was doing and your shadow can't even suck a house fly. And you keep shouting, Lord, in our day, we'll do more. you do what? Jesus said, we'll do greater works. Greater works. And you are eating fufu and a coin from Monday to Friday. Greater works. Someone was praying, said, I command the mantles of all the great men, the anointing of Moses, rest upon your life. The anointing of David, rest upon your life. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you think things work that way, right? 
See, receiving the Holy Ghost opens the access for power. So, you can have the Holy Ghost and still not walk in power because you are just giving access. There are spiritual principles to engage in that power. And if you don't know, you'll just be confessing and no power will come out of your life. You heard of a man of God, I told you the other time, that uh, he woke up in the morning, opened the door to go outside, he saw two eggs with red ribbons and some uh, concoctions and some juju powers surrounded around the egg. And the man took the egg and said, Father, thank you. You fed Elijah with, uh, through a raven with cake. Thank you this day for bringing me two fresh eggs. And he went to the kitchen and went to fry the eggs and he used it for breakfast. Go and do it. Your life will never be the same. <laughs> Go and try it. So you just hear the testimony and say, we'll do more for Christ. Do you know what the man did to be able to do what he did? And that's what I'm going to come. Fasting stirs up your faith. Fasting kills doubt. A man who lives a fasted life becomes fearless. And listen, a man who is always intimate with God in prayer will never be intimidated by any man. A man of God says that I had a dream one day and I was buried in a coffin. When I woke up and I laughed, ha, 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 God was reminding me that I was dead with Christ. <laughs> so I would never pray about it. You heard that testimony. You saw yourself in a coffin and you're also laughing. Ha, 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 they'll bury you. <laughs> the frequency in the utterance he made was backed by something. So don't just listen to someone's testimony and try trying it. You may not survive. So listen, what is the foundation upon which you declare and decree? I'm helping somebody here. I've not started the teaching. No? Thank you, Lord. Hmm. St. Francis of Assisi. The man began to walk all around Italy with singing, fastings, and prayer. And guess what? By the time he was done with ministry, he had won thousands of youth to the Lord through fasting. This is the St. Francis of Assisi who went to bump into a woman who was bitten by a snake. And he said, why is the snake? And the woman said, it's gone. After praying for the woman, he went to look for the snake and looked at him and said, snake, I banish you from this town. You and your descendants never come back. Since that time, no snake has existed in that environment. St. Francis of Assisi went to a certain town. When he went to that town, a man has been dead for 10 years and he wrote his signature on a paper to go and place it on the grave. They placed it on the grave. The man came back from the dead. Signature. What is your presence itself doing? Signature. He did not go. He sent his signature. 
So when death recognized that a signature from St. Francis of Assisi has been activated, death gave up death. Hey! Something is happening to me now. I love this thing. Hi! Woo! Martin Luther! I'm not talking of Martin Luther King. Martin Luther! He was criticized for too much fasting. And this is the Martin Luther who, bro- who restored the doctrine of justification by faith. You know, there are a lot of grace preachers today who are just hanging around social media and they are just destroying their lives. They just be hanging there. You are forgiving past, present, and future sins. Say amen. And then we put that amen. They don't pray. I'm the righteousness of God. Shout amen. People shout amen. So their ministry is only founded and it ends on Facebook. And the only reward they have is likes. The man that restored the grace teaching on justification by faith was always fasting until he was criticized of fasting. It was said of Martin Luther that he translated the Bible from Greek and Hebrew into German language. And it was said that every word that he translated, he prayed in fasting before he translated it. Everywhere though. So Genesis, in the beginning, he was in prayer before he translated it into German. So that there will be no error. This book of Psalm that you have been reading and enjoying, David was a man given to fasting. Until one time he said he became a reproach to his friends and his friends mocked at him because he had become lean like a broomstick. And under those inspiration through fasting, he had psalms and wrote them by inspiration, which you are enjoying today. Someone paid a heavy price for you to read what you're reading. Someone paid the price. John Calvin fasted and prayed till most of all Geneva was converted. And there was not a single house without at least one praying person. This is crazy. Through fasting and prayer, he reached people to an extent that the whole of Geneva, the city where he was, every house you go, you'll find one person who was affected by his ministry and that person was a prayer machine. One person in every house. Let's go out to every house here. You think it's a joke? You want to do more for God. And listen, this teaching is not for all. Those of you who love pleasure, uh, pleasure and entertainment, this thing will not benefit you. Some of us, we want to move a step further. John Knox fasted and prayed till the Queen of England said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of Scotland. The man could pray and you could literally smell and sense and feel the effect of his prayer. John Knox. I fear the prayer of one man more than all the armies of Scotland. 
Time will not permit me to speak of Latima, Ridley, Cran Cranmer, and most of the reformers who were known for their fasting added to prayer. Most of the reformers, those who discovered and uncovered most of the truths that were lost in the dark ages, there were people who were given to fasting and prayer. There are some things that cannot be done until fasting is added to prayer. There are some of you here, there's no pastor in your family. For the past hundred years, no pastor has ever evolved in your family and you are happy. It's a shame. You, you go to fast until you see it happen. That there's no fast pastor in your family and you are happy. There are some of you in your family, nobody has ever gone to the university. Nobody. And you are still eating banku and pepe. Nobody has ever traveled outside the country. You are happy. And you have all this power and you are eating with the power. Watching Jennifer's diary with the power. Watching power with the power. <laughs> My goodness. The devil is so smart. A, a Christian watching movie at dawn, 3 a.m., he wakes up, play. How did you feel when you were playing it? You, you are wonderful. I'm telling you. You wake up at dawn, 4 a.m., and you, you are on Facebook. We have a problem. I'm telling you. The devil is not afraid of you at all. Because you're not a threat in the kingdom. Uh, you think it was automatic when a demon said, Jesus I know, Paul I know. Your name might not be there. Jesus I know, Paul I know. You just try it. No, there are some things I need to let you know. Jesus I know, Paul I know. Paul says in fastings often. Paul was always in prayer. And listen, Paul could never have had a successful ministry without prayer. You know why? Because the Christians he converted and the church he established did not all have Bibles. So how would they live? You don't get this thing. They did not have Bibles. Oh. They did not have a pastor. After establishing the church, amongst them, one of the immature people, when he sees that he's more spiritual, then he makes him a pastor. You won't pray whilst you are living. So if you realize, there was a man called Epaphras in Colossians chapter 4, the verse 12. The Bible tells us something. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you? So he was amongst them. But the Bible says, a servant of Christ saluted you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. These people did not have Bible. They only had Epistle, one. You know, we have Colossians, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, First Timothy, Second Timothy to help guide us. Some of them only had Colossians. 
and they have to depend on the Holy Ghost. See, that thing is the listen, it is the Holy Ghost. He's the engine room of transformation. And that transformation will never take place until you have a prayer life. And that prayer life will never be established without a life of fasting. Are you seeing the equation? If you want to live in holiness and you, you don't have a prayer life, forget about it. My God, I don't know why this addiction is growing. Because you are feeding it. It is in prayer the Holy Ghost checks your excesses. It is in prayer the Holy Ghost reminds you of the things you must be able to give attention to God's word. It's in prayer the Holy Ghost is able to envelop you in God's presence. And when you, when you are enveloped in that presence, there are some things that dies naturally. It is in prayer that the Holy Ghost organizes your real to-do list. You don't pray. You wake up in the morning, you go and bath, you go to work, you eat lunch, you come back home, you eat at 11 o'clock, you sleep again, you wake up, and that has been your life. I don't blame you. So you are not even sensitive to spiritual things. You are not eternity conscious again. Everything about your life is like an unbeliever. And it's a big shame on the part of the church. Jonathan Edwards, very great man in the 18th, the 18th century, was mighty in fasting and prayer. And some say that he fasted to the extreme until he was almost weak to stand in the pulpit to move New England for God. Charles Finney, one of the greatest men God used in revival in his days. He came to understand that you can flow in the power of God, but there are times you need to go back and renew that power. You know, some of you will just pray and you think that that, that prayer will sustain you for the next five years. You don't know this thing. You've got to renew the anointing upon your life consistently. Charles Finney will withdraw himself, go into fasting and prayer for three days, pray and come back again and go back into his revival meetings. D.L. Moody fasted and made all the members of his faculty fast as a special day to the Lord. I was surprised. One of the greatest grace preachers that ever existed in the history of Christianity is Charles Spurgeon. And I was shocked that when Charles Spurgeon is preaching Sunday morning, he has designed an underground under the church auditorium where there are people exactly where he's standing. There are people under him standing in the same place and they are praying. And he calls that place the burning furnace. <laughs> so, you see, we'll come and preach to many of you, sir, and then we'll just touch you for one day and that is all. I, see, I want to get to a place where the things I'm teaching does not just uh, make you just laugh and then you are out of this place and your life is still the same. It was said that in Charles Finney's evangelistic campaign, Every show that was won, it was only about 5% that went back into the world. 95% kept their Christian faith to the end. And in this generation, despite all the technology we have, the machines we have, the speakers we have, the social media presence we have, we see people receive Christ and the next point they are smoking. And the church has become a lazy bride 
They don't pray. You call out the fast, someone says, I'm going to fast today. And at 12 p.m., he saw fried yam and chofi, and he said, Jesus. And he passed by the fried yam. And he came back to greet the woman. <laughs> Mommy, Bibi Aboko. Pastor Baku, I say. You're on a journey. You're on a journey. You're on a fasting journey. You can't do six to two. Six to two. You can't put your stomach down from six to two. And you want to be a victorious Christian? <sighs> you can write this down. You will be spiritually poor and your prayer life will never be what God wants it to be until you practice the life of prayer and fasting. You will be spiritually poor and your prayer life will never be what God wants it to be until you practice life of prayer and fasting. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I love you. Now, I want to discipline myself to preach about one and ten minutes so that we can pray. So, five minutes time, somebody should just lift up their hands for me. Today, many people are living in comfort, relaxation, pleasure, laziness. And you know what they call it? They've branded it. They call it rest in Christ. And it's serious. There are many people lazying about. They are living in comfort. Relaxed in their Christian life. And it has been branded rest in Christ. What the church today, especially in the grace community, is calling rest today. If it is truly what is called rest, then Apostle Paul, Peter, James, and the rest of them, they all failed. What we are calling rest in Christ today, of which I was formerly a victim. What we are calling rest in Christ today, if that is, that is what it is, then Peter, Paul, James... Uh, 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 John Knox, all these great men, Polycarp and all these people, Athanasius and the rest, they all failed. So it's either we are in error or they are in error. Because we have come to understand that, listen, rest in Christ is only in respect to salvation. The Christian life moves on wrestling. And we wrestle from the place of rest. So the rest is to just let you know that it is not in your strength. That is where it is. A Christian does not go for evangelism for six months and he says he's resting in Christ. What rest is that? A Christian does not pray for ten months and he says Christ has done it all. Christ fasted for us for 40 days and 40 nights. He prayed for us. So we just have to live in the atmosphere of thanksgiving. Then he wakes up in the morning, Father, thank you for the gift of life. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Two minutes prayer. You know what the man said? Shallow prayers bet shallow lives.
I'm looking for a day where in fasting, a believer wakes up at dawn. He kneels down. And he begins to intercede for his lost family. He begins to intercede for the uh, missionaries in Russia, Japan, and India who are being killed and persecuted for their faith. And as they begin to intercede, they are developing. They are gaining ascendancy. They are rising. They are becoming better. Fasting is part of the sacrifices we make for Jesus. They are the things we do for love. We decide to put our stomach down by not eating when we realize these things are becoming a distraction to us. Having to realize you can eat to the extent that you become so food conscious that whilst you are eating breakfast, you are thinking of lunch. And I, I, I pity Christians who are in their fast and they are fighting for food. Maybe you don't understand what I'm saying. Maybe at home they are sharing food for lunch and then you are fasting and you smelt it and you went there. Hey, for me, they see your mommy. <laughs> Master, go eat. I remember some years ago when we were in a fast. Breakfast, which is Tom Brown and bread, I put it in a rubber bag and put it in my drawer. Lunch, I'm aggressive watching them. Timidio, timidio. They put it in a bowl, I cover it, I put it in a drawer. Supper, when I break the fast, I clear all at a go. And when I was there, it was not fasting, it was Ramadan. <laughs> I'm a clearing agent. I was just deceiving myself. So, you see, the purpose of the fasting is so that I can become temperate. So that my body does not gain ascendance. But at night, I put all the weight back in. So I only delayed my hunger. It was not fasting. That's what many of you are doing. And you say, man of God, you said fasting brings power. I've done a fasting, there's no power. When we started a Christian life, there were four friends who were all prophets. And we started fasting. So, Gidi Gidi Nani had 37 days. We didn't understand this thing. And then we said we are going to break with cocoa 20 pesos. That's about 13 years ago. So, day one, we were successful. We broke with uh, cocoa 20 pesos. But the battle was not easy. And then one of the prophets amongst us said that the Holy Ghost said we should increase it to 40 pesos. <laughs> <laughs> then, because of the state of the weakness, we said, if the Lord has said, who are we? <laughs> who are we? If the Lord has spoken, if the Holy Ghost said increase it, who are we? Who will be obedient to the heavenly call? Then we increased it to 40 pesos. And by day three, the thing, <laughs> and we were walking to church those times because transportation was not coming like, like that. So we walk. By the time we get to church, we are all weak. So at first, day one, the pastor, our head pastor then, he saw us in fire. And day three, then we are all, <laughs> and he was just, <laughs> he was just watching us. Boys, what is happening to them? He 
le vous il le vous Why are they Frenchmen now? <laughs> and we wanted to finish the seven days. Then, the same prophet again. He came on the floor and said, the Holy Ghost said we should add granite to it. And I said, you are going to kill our fasting. The Holy Ghost has not spoken. <laughs> we rebuked him and said, the Holy Ghost has not said anything. You, you just want us to eat. Because if we allow the, the five, you say the Holy Ghost we should add bread and milk to it. It is when you begin to fast that all hell begins to break loose on you. That's, that's how come you must know the power of fasting. Do you know you can stay without eating from 1 o'clock to 4 p.m.? Easy. Some of you can watch movies from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. without eating. And you say, hey, I have not eaten. Then you go and eat. Try fasting. 7 a.m. Then your stomach will wake you up and ask you, have you eaten? you fasting is a war the devil does not want you to enter into the rest of God's purposes and promise for your life so he will do everything to resist you it is when you are fasting that your family members who don't care about you will start showing care ah why you are changing why, why? they don't care but only when you are fasting then they show care ah don't kill yourself you're looking too slim ah when do you, how do you get a man to marry you with this size they begin to reconsider. Hey, I'm poor. <laughs> yeah. And you see, mostly, it is after the fast that you begin to see the results. It, it doesn't normally even come within the fast. It's after the fast, then the results begin to come. So you don't give up on it. I love this thing. I'm going to continue next week. <laughs>